So this is uh, Joycelyn Wells with Joy Exposed, and it's Wednesday. It's hump day. Always the toughest part of the week because you're going into it knowing that the weekend is coming, and then you're coming out of it like, don't rush it because then the weekend will be over too soon. But either way, we look forward to hump day. So I'm really excited about it. Um, so I'll get started. We start with three chairs of joy, and tonight will be no different, of course. And if you're not familiar with the three chairs of joy, it's um, an opportunity to go, I mean, an opportunity to appreciate three things in your life that have brought you, that's brought you pleasure. Small things that sometimes we overlook, but we need to keep them in mind because we need them to continue to be great. So I'm starting with my three chairs of joy. So let's see. I'm drinking tonight. I'll start with that. Uh, Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And this is a really cool little bottle. It's almost got like a little dress on with the belt and everything. So I'm drinking Basil Hayden tonight. It's only a pint. See, it's empty. So it's just a pint. I just had a couple drinks out of it. And I'm drinking out of my glass from STM, uh, STM Specialties that made it for me, my 50 Years of Joy. This is my um, birthday glass that she made me a set. So I'm drinking out of that tonight. All right, so let's go. My three cheers of joy. My first cheer of joy for this week since last week what's happened. Um, I'm happy that I've gotten a lot of rest. <laughs> so I'm really grateful that I've got some rest since last week and I've just been chilling in it. And you guys know for the past month, I've been really in this weird energy space of just chill and um, I'm going with it. And I thought about it the other day, like, why am I in this space? And what's my reason for chilling like this? And I figured out it's my life is changing and my life is changing fast. And my mind has to be in a place to receive all of the greatness. So, you know, I have to celebrate that, that my downtime and to be able to appreciate the rest. And I'm learning. I won't say that my mind is always easy with it. It's definitely a struggle for my brain to go with my body just sitting there. So my first choice, my first cheer is celebrating the mental capacity to rest and recognize change and transition in your life and to embrace it, whatever it is, good or bad, whatever it is, it's got to be good. I've been doing good stuff. So cheers to that. My second cheer of joy is I had a reading in Gainesville last Sunday and it went really well. There were about seven ladies there that I had an opportunity to read to and just have dynamic adult conversation. And I'm going to talk about some of that too. So that was good. I love the honesty. I love the openness um, of the dialogue. I love the insight of people having on my me as a writer and my characters. So cheers to Gainesville. It's always good going home. Stephanie hosted me there and we got to hang out a little bit. So cheers to the reading in Gainesville. And my third cheer of joy, let me see. Um, I guess like my third year has to be that I hung out after the reading. I went to have a cigar with um, Stephanie and this guy named Anthony that I met living in Atlanta. And he's from Gainesville, and I didn't know that. And uh, our paths crossed in Atlanta, and then we connected when he moved to Gainesville, and I was moving back to Tampa. So that was really cool. Got, he met us out, and we had a cigar, and we just ate some appetizers and talked. And he's written a great book called Turning Pages. Um, so he talked a little bit about his book and some other projects that he was working on. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Keisha. Hi, Viandi. So we talked about, talked about some of the projects he was working on, and we even 
made a comment that maybe we should do something together because we were just in that relationship zone from the male and the female perspective. So that was really cool. So that's my third cheer of joy. Cheers to hanging out with Stephanie. And I even got her to puff a cigar a little bit. She doesn't smoke and she doesn't drink. She's just really this uh, complacent. She's a content entity in herself and she gives so much to her family. So she just hasn't taken the time to indulge, but she was open and she was beautiful and fun. And it was just it made my night. I stayed up late and drove back from Gainesville late. And I was thinking the whole time, oh God, I got to go to work in the morning. But I made it and it was fine. So those are my three cheers of joy. And as I said before, my cheers of joy aren't necessarily anything like super exciting. And your cheers of joy can be whatever you want. It could be making it to work on time, um, every day during the week. It could be um, sticking to your diet for more than three days in a row. It could be anything, whatever you want. Not snapping the hell out on somebody or cussing the fuck cussing somebody the fuck out. <laughs> so, you know, it can be anything. So you choose what you want to celebrate and that's what makes it personal to you. So I guess we'll get started now. Um, I don't necessarily have, I kind of have a Facebook post of the week. Um, nothing that I'm going to tag anybody in. It was just an interesting conversation and it made me kind of think about what people are doing when they're dating nowadays and it kind of threw me off a bit. So, um, so there was a post, um, a woman made the post initially saying to be with a man who's not unhappy with you or said that you're complaining when you're trying to teach them how to love you. And then, um, so someone com commented on it saying, yeah, you should, women should just tell you their love language and get it over with. It'll make it much easier. So I read the post and I thought, ah, no, that's too easy. <laughs> You're like, no, you don't want to do that. So I ended up having this whole conversation, just a dynamic conversation with the gentleman talking about how it would make the process of loving easier if there were like um almost a cheat code like so if you could say what your love language is and so there are five love languages i think there's like um touch is one acts of kindness uh quality time hold on let me see um quality time so there's a book that's written and i even sent this to um my faceless love because I asked him about it. There's a book written, the author is Gary Chapman. And he wrote this book kind of identifying the love languages, how people express and receive love. And so that was the whole conversation about it, was trying to figure out if a woman just tells a man the way they love need to be loved, then the man can just do that and then it's easier and they don't have to go back and forth. And he doesn't have to spend any time trying to figure it out. So it's receiving gifts quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. So I was I was on it. So I was like, no, I'm not telling somebody my love language. That's a waste. I'm not doing that. And uh, they were kind of trying to explain to me why I should do it. And I, I kind of made the analogy of saying some people like to watch the movie or uh, read the cliff notes instead of reading the whole novel. And I consider myself the novel. And I also believe that the man who loves me or who wants to love me will put the time in to get to know me because I'm not one of those things. So it sounds like if a woman says my love language is receiving gifts, then the guy she's saying it to would be 
content on receiving gifts and hold her hostage to the fact that she wants to receive gifts. They will concentrate on that instead of trying different things or exposing different things. So I thought I didn't want to be relegated to a space. And we went back and forth on it a little bit. And um, the guy was saying, well, if you speak different languages, how do you communicate? And, you know, we all know that you you don't have to speak the same language to communicate with somebody. You know, if you're in love and you want to be together, you figure out how to talk to each other and you do that. So we went back and forth and I thought just for icing on the cake, I would send a text message to Faceless Love and ask him, do you need to know my love language to love me? Like, do you know my love language or, you know, and he was like, what's a love language? <laughs> and that just kind of added to me because I don't know that I can give you a thing to love me. And I think as women, especially if you're single, even if you're married, you're in a relationship, we have to be careful not to be so direct with one thing because men are really black and white. And if you're, if you say to a man, I like acts of service or I like physical touch, if you say my love language is because men are very black and white, they're going to stick in the black and white. So when you start asking for something else or wanting something else, then you're going to be unreasonable or you're being difficult or you're changing. So I don't understand why you would relegate yourself to such a closed position. I think that, um, and maybe because I'm older, I don't know, but I think for me, I'd rather spend the rest of my life learning to love unconditionally, the person who loves me unconditionally, than to get a microwave suggestion and to fall into something that isn't necessarily the right way or isn't necessarily the right thing. Sometimes I want to do something different. Sometimes I want something different. And how do you appreciate different things that even your partner may like? So that was just my really just interesting Facebook post last week. Well, interesting Facebook um, conversation that I participated in last week because it just kind of caught me off guard. And it also made me realize that people get really lost in trying to be so exact upfront in a new relationship. What the hell is that, right? That to me makes no sense. And I think it just um, adds to the fact that people are failing in relationships because they're not getting it right all of a sudden. And um, I, I'm okay with not having everything that I want. And I've talked about this before. I don't make a list of things that I want or I don't really tell who I am or what I like to do when I meet somebody new. When I was dating, I didn't do that. And people always want to know, well, what do you want? What do you like to do? And my response is, you know what? I don't know who I am when I'm with you. I don't know what I'll like when I'm with you. And if I give you a list of wants, I'm undoubtedly going to want more stuff me wanting isn't going to be enough. I'm going to want something else. So it's constantly changing, constantly evolving, and that's exhausting. So I think um, the most important thing is to just enjoy everything. And if there is something that you want, like if you go out to eat and you want to eat a steak, then you say, oh, I'll have steak tonight. That's something you want, and it's attainable. It's right there. But it's not like I'm gonna, I want a man who this, I want a house that this, I want a car that this, I wanna, that shit doesn't matter. That shit is irrelevant. You know, it's temporary, times change. You know, you make tons of money, you buy all of this stuff, your company closes and now you're, you don't have a job and all the stuff that you deemed important 
is no longer important and it's not worth anything. Though that's my view on things. So I'm very much minimalist in it. So I don't ask a lot of stuff. For me, I just kind of go with it and um, see, you know, what feels good to me in the time that I'm in it. I can, however, say I don't like something. I don't have a problem saying that. And I have don't have a problem saying I do like something. So I think as a women, as people, we have to be very careful not to relegate ourselves to a position to appease the instant gratification of somebody that we're trying to date. If, if you're dating someone and they're pushing you in a corner to tell something you want or say your love language, guess what? It might not be the person for you to date. I, I figure, I'm, I know I'm a lot and I say that often, I'm a lot. So the man who dates me, if he's not okay with constantly having somebody that's a lot, then he needs to date somebody else. That's not my loss. That's me being saved from being in an exhausting relationship or trying to force something that's not going to happen. So we just really have to pay attention to that because people are, people quickly, they want us to put ourselves in a situation so that they can appease that situation and they don't want to go outside of the box. So that conversation was pretty fun on Facebook and, you know, and, and men have a tendency to want to win in conversations. I don't care to win in a conversation. It doesn't fucking matter to me. I'm going to have it until it's over or until I'm done with it, but there's not a win for me. And there are a lot of women who read that and they were probably kind of going back and forth trying to figure out, well, if I tell him what I want, or if I tell him what kind of uh, love language I am, and then I date him, he's going to, yeah, he's going to operate in that basic feel with you. He's not going to expand it. And he's going to give you a hard time for trying to ask for something else. So, you know, to me, it's just a waste. I'm, I'm, I can do anything. It doesn't matter. So I hate to put myself in a position. And when you talk about, you know, the different, I mean, that's a wide range, receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service and physical touch. Hell, I can go about 20% on all that shit. <laughs> I want all of that. Like, why wouldn't I want all of that physical touch? And maybe some people don't want to be touched. And maybe you guys are listening to me thinking, well, I don't want words of affirmation. I need that. I need words of affirmation. I need for people that I'm in a relationship with to be like, you my bitch, you great. You doing that shit. I need words of affirmation. I need quality time. I need physical touch. I don't necessarily need gifts, but I like them when I receive them. And um, acts of service. I like people to do things for me. So, I mean, for me, I'm open to all of it. So I can't choose one. And maybe I'm unique in that. I don't know. But I think as a woman and knowing other women and even knowing men, it's hard to just be stuck in a space to appease someone else. So that was fun, you know, and it was a couple of guys. We were going back and forth about it. And, it, you know, it turned out all right. It was no big deal. Everybody knows I don't stress out about stuff. I'll laugh and tell them I had a great time talking to you and I keep it moving. <laughs> I'm not going to argue about a situation about love. I'm not arguing about being right. So that's kind of funny. But um, the guy who wrote the book, if you're interested in reading it, his name is uh, one more time, Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N. Gary and uh, this came out in 1992. So we're really saying that someone came out with an idea in 1992 and now all these years later, there 
people are expressing that this is what they need to know to love you. So what happened prior to 1992? We didn't have a love language book that we were going by. We were just meeting people and taking our chance at loving them, right? So, but it's definitely caught on because I think people are seeking each other. They're seeking a way to connect and to be together. So it's, you know, it's interesting enough. I have not read the complete book. I um, have read bits and pieces of it about the same time that I read um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, you know, those books to help you kind of communicate with the opposite sex. But I didn't read the whole um, book of it. So anyway, that's that about my um, Facebook comment from last week is talking about just telling somebody how to love you. I think that takes away from people loving you. You know, what if people feel like, what if someone feels like she likes to receive gifts and I can't afford to give her gifts, so then I'm not going to be able to love her. And you miss like your forever love, like the person who can love you unconditionally, all because you say, I like receiving gifts. But if they can afford it to your gifts, but they can give you quality time and affirmation of words and physical touch and acts of service. I don't know that I'm willing to pass that up. <laughs> not for a few gifts, not for that yummy, yummy, unconditional love. I'm going to take that every time. So hi there, Margaret. Hi, Jocelyn. So I'm going to take it every time. I want the good love. I want the goodness from it. And I want somebody to see me and love me unconditionally. So that's that. Now, speaking of somebody to see me and love me unconditionally, this is a quick conversation about my faceless love. He's, uh, you guys, I talk about him and I love it talking about him because y'all know I spent a lot of years and shit. So I don't mind talking about him. But one thing that he, he said since we started dating is that he will always take care of me. He says that I'll always take care of you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. N word, whatever. Because, you know, I just, that's me. My cynicism, that's me with my man problem, I'm getting better. So he always says, I'll always take care of you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. So funny thing is, um, he started having problems with his blood pressure being elevated. It's probably been elevated. But his doctor now, because we're getting older, wants to put him on medication for his blood pressure. And so I'm like, um, don't get on that fucking medication. <laughs> I'm like screaming against it because I went through it too. Remember a few, I wasn't even doing the show yet, but my blood pressure was high and I, me and my doctor went toe to toe and I'm like, you got to give me 90 days. I'm not starting any medicine. And so I took the time to kind of change some stuff about my life and get my blood pressure down, you know, to get that little balance. So he's kind of going through the same thing. So I told him, I said, there's this great blood type diet. Eat right for your type. Just start that See what your food triggers are, and that way you can avoid some of those foods. Your blood pressures are gonna your blood pressure is gonna go down, your cholesterol will follow, and it'll be great. So we talked about it a little while ago. So finally he decides to go find out his blood type. And so he goes into doctor, gets his blood type, and then he receives his blood type. I guess yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. So when I woke this morning, he had his blood type listed. He sent me a text and said, Oh, my blood type is a uh, zero. I mean, I mean, O positive, not zero. I'm sorry. He said, uh, yes, thing. we did see that about the kale. So we said, um, so we said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
So we said, he said it's O positive. He sent it overnight. I was asleep. So I woke up and I read it at like two in the morning and I'm like, mine is O positive too. And I went and sent him the information that I use to kind of look at the food. And if you've never looked at the blood type diet, look at the blood type diet. It's crazy because it's very specific. Like for me, O positive, it says I shouldn't eat any pork. I shouldn't eat any dairy, right? Dairy is an avoid for me. There's not a benefit for having dairy products for me, including eggs, cheese, milk, none of it, which explain I am allergic to eggs, so I can't eat them. So no pork. Um, I can't eat like, uh, uh, kidney beans, but I can't have lima beans or, you know, um, so it's just, I mean, pinto beans, not lima beans. So it's very specific to the diet, to what you can and can't have. So <laughs> he got it and I sent it to him. I was like, I'm O positive too. And so he, I sent it to him so he could look at the list to try to see if those are some changes that he could make in his life. And it says you can't have any bread products any wheat like so it's crazy you should look at it if you've never looked at it before so we talked this morning and i was like um i saw that you're o positive i sent you some stuff he was like oh yeah i'm gonna read it i saw it you know it's like i'm gonna try to figure out what i need to do not to get a, you know start this medication so he was like i was gonna start it today but i'm gonna wait because i can you know see myself another month till i go in so we had a whole conversation and so i was like well I said, I know you always say you're going to take care of me. I said, but this is a new level of taking care of me. Like, dude, you got blood transfusions and shit for me. Like, I'm with it. We got the same blood type. You can give me blood. I can give you blood. Like, we can literally take care of each other. <laughs> so, you know, he and I are laughing, talking about it because it's kind of funny because it's like, holy crap. If I need a blood transfusion, I can go to him. He's got me. And I was like, well, I said, well, I think maybe one of us need to stop drinking because if we need to pass a kidney or some shit, one of us got to have a kidney that's <laughs> operable. Like we got to be able to use our kidneys to take care of each other. So we had a whole conversation about how we can now take care of each other in a different space because we have the same blood type. Now, if you guys don't remember years ago, and I had one when I got married the first time, years ago, you had to have a blood type in, I mean, a blood test in Georgia to get married, checking for compatibility. And then I realized today that he and I would have been perfect had we gotten married in like 1988. <laughs> we would have gotten married. We would have been great uh, compatibility to get married. So anyway, that was just kind of funny talking about you know, how to take care of each other and how to get to know each other and sharing. We're sharing in this neat little, we'll be able to share in this little diet together and to keep each other off medications. And um, that means our menu will pretty much be the same, that we can both just eat what we want to eat. And without um, him, him, me ordering steak and he's ordering a slab of ribs and I, I want the ribs, but I can't eat them. So he'll order steak too. So I, uh, I thought that was very sweet and it just goes along for me some like confirmation for me that he is such a great guy for me and he's not trying to love me based off what i say my love language is ta-da so that's kind of funny but anyway and um margo you're right the kale is on there kale spinach that's on there but it's a lot of green vegetables that aren't asparagus isn't on there it's really weird because you think about eating um 
veggies that are going to be good for you. But then for the old, old positive, for the old diet, a lot of that stuff isn't on there. And you're really kind of looking like um, a lot of the old diet is it's not on there. And you're really looking like, oh, my God, I've been eating this. I like to eat this. I like, you know, so you start going um, trying to see what things your body is treating as a um, disease or and you should avoid it. Because I think for me, I love to eat avocado. It's on my avoid list. If I go somewhere and they have octopus, I eat octopus. It's on my avoid list. Pork is on my avoid list. Um, chicken is neutral, so it doesn't matter. But beef, mutton, buffalo, those are beneficial to me. So it's really weird. The cheeses are none dairy products. And it says like for Black Americans with, uh, for African descent, not Black Americans. It says African descent with the old blood type that you shouldn't even eat any chicken eggs ever. Like you shouldn't eat any eggs, like zero a week. So, I mean, and I will, I will eat eggs. I would, but I'm allergic. I have a reaction to them. I'll break out and start itching. But I love the detail that goes into this. Um, I love the detail that goes into the diet and just kind of make you put things in category on like how my body is responding to this to each one of these items and to cut things out that's not going to be beneficial. So hopefully after a month, his blood pressure goes down like mine did. And I've been doing this on and off for like 10 years, just being aware of it. But hopefully he can get a handle on that and not have to take any blood pressure medicine because it's going to make him an old man taking medicine. <laughs> I know he's probably watching like this heifer. Anyway, so I thought I'd share that with you. Um, you know, so we take care of each other in different ways. And um, so you don't want to relegate yourself to something to make somebody say, well, you told me this. Hey, hi there, Vaughn. You don't want to make somebody, you don't want to tell somebody, you told me to love you this way. you got to be open to the way that people can love you. And people, I think in the end of the conversation with um, Craig, the guy I had the conversation with yesterday, I told him, I said, I think the most important thing in the relationship is that you understand that the other person exists and they're important to you. And if you can acknowledge the existence of one and their importance, then you've got it made. So you don't, you know, you don't need to know anything. You just want to take care of them and they want to take care of you. Now, you shouldn't be in a relationship with somebody that treats you like shit. We've talked about that. I don't care who they are. I don't care how long you've known them. I don't care how great they are. I don't care how great the sex is. If somebody treats you like shit, walk the fuck away from the relationship. It's debilitating. We don't like to be debilitated. We don't like to be held hostage in yucky situations. And our mind can rationalize that. And then you leave, you have PTSD. You might as well leave and be like, fuck it, I'm out because this sucks. So you have to just kind of be, put yourself in a space of, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to be happy. It's, the goal is the happiness. And if you're both looking for happy, then you don't have anything to worry about. You move toward the happiness. Nobody's trying to gaslight anybody. Nobody's trying to take advantage of or manipulate or anything. When you're in a mutual space of loving, you're in a mutual space of loving. And there's nothing better than that. Now, Here's the thing about, I think it's called gaslighting. I've never even heard that term before today. And I was going to talk about this and it came up as, um, uh, I saw that, oh yeah, so gaslighting. And I guess we've, I've been here and maybe you have too. So gaslighting 
is to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. I've definitely been with someone who tried to gaslight me, right? Hi there, Shamir. I've definitely been with somebody trying to make me think I'm crazy, right? Now, you think this happens most of the time in relationships. And the funny thing is tonight, my conversation was about mental abuse. And this is the same thing. So I love that that term came up today about the gaslighting because that happens a lot. And it doesn't mean necessarily people are stronger than us. I think it means more so that people have uh, have an intention for us that's not a good intention. Their intention is to misuse us, to manipulate us, to get our goodness from us, and then to leave us questioning. I would liken this to being in circular arguments. And that's when you have a conversation about something and the conversation keeps going. And then you find yourself saying, in this circular argument about nothing. And it totally detracts from the fact of what the conversation was about at the beginning, but because the master manipulator, they have you in this conversation because they don't want to, they can't own up to the fact that they fucked up or that they lied or they've done something. So it's easier for them to get you caught up in a loop to make you, then you're upset and then you wanna cry. And then you're like, I'm sorry, I knew I shouldn't have gone off. So now you're confused and you're apologizing because you snapped the fuck out. You were supposed to snap the fuck out because something had already pissed you off. But now you're owning that you've now disturbed the peace or you've now given him or her hell about something that you shouldn't have. That shit is get out. If that's the shit you deal with in a relationship, get the fuck out of it get the fuck out of it. Their intention is to misuse you and to manipulate you and to have you spinning in circles. It's a waste of time. So I didn't even realize the gaslighting was a term. So I'm going to have to read more on that because that means there's a whole damn term about it. I just call that shit manipulation and mental abuse where somebody try to spin you out of control. And then when you get when you're aware of somebody's trying to spin you out of control and you step away from it, they want to draw you back into it with some other shit. Because they, they need your attention to manipulate you. They need to be able to tell you, yes, that is a mess. They need to be able to tell you that you're crazy. They want you to say that. And then you think about it. For those of us who've been through it, and I'm not going to deny it, you go through this and you have this emotional breakdown and then you end up in the bed, exhausted, crying, uh, trying to figure out how the next time you're not going to lose your shit. When this time you had every reason to lose your shit, but this person has convinced you that you're fucking tripping. You crazy, you tripping, you bipolar, you, they got all this stuff they saying to you and that shit ain't true. They done did some shit to fuck with you and you're responding. It's your innate response to try to protect yourself, but they keep on with that digging at you like you've done something wrong when they're the ones that's got caught. They're the ones that's been in the fucked up situation and then you're apologizing for responding negatively to that fucked up situation. They're not responding. They're not telling you, I'm sorry for putting you in this fucked up situation. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Parasites. You, they're not apologizing to you for putting you in this fucked up situation. They, they are 
trying to get you caught up so that they can continue to do the fucked up stuff that they're doing to you. It's unhealthy and it's hard to get out of it. It is absolutely hard to get out of it. And I remember, I remember dating a guy and that was kind of the MO of our conversations. We would do that. And I consider myself a pretty smart woman. Like I, I don't think I'm slow by any means. I think I'm pretty smart. So when things go left, you know, they go left. But because I thought at the time that I loved him, I thought that we were moving forward in our relationship. I would second guess myself. I'm like, well, uh, maybe his dick didn't smell like sex. <laughs> maybe that was my mistake that maybe I was imagining that maybe you know maybe there wasn't lipstick on his shirt I was imagining that maybe maybe he did tell me he wasn't coming home or he wasn't going to be home tonight maybe so I'm questioning shit I'm quick and he's just flipping that shit so finally I was just kind of like this dumb it's like telling me don't believe your lying eyes like, this is all shit that I see myself. I see this happening and you want me to what? You, I see it and you want to tell me that I don't see it? You tripping. You ain't see that shit didn't happen. You tripping. I don't even know what you was looking at. You got me fucked up with somebody else. You So it becomes this crazy cycle of information and you start questioning your own shit. Fuck that. You see that shit? It's there. And I had to get to a point that I was just like, yeah, no, whatever. Stop talking to me. You know, and then after a couple times, you realize, oh, this motherfucker ain't shit. All right. He ain't shit. I'm out. I'm done with this. And then they're like, well, wait, wait. You know, I love you. I just, yeah, you love me as long as you can manipulate me. You love me as long as you can continue to do what you're doing. And I'm it's falling, spiraling into this dark ass hole, questioning my own sanity, fucking up at work, not doing a good job, not being a good parent, not being good to myself. You're fine. You're loving me now because you know I'm over this shit. Go on. We'll do what you're going to do, wherever you're going to do it, but it's not with me. So when you think, when you have people around you, whether it's, it could be your parents, it could be somebody you're dating, somebody you're married to, your children, somebody at work. If somebody is actively participating in events to mentally abuse you, you owe it to yourself to protect yourself. You owe it to yourself to protect yourself, right? You do. And Shamir said here, ladies, you're not crazy. And when you realize you can't fix him, don't even try to fix him. He is fucked up in a different place that First of all, you have no experience healing someone. You have no experience fixing someone like that. So you have to let them go rot in their own pool of yuckiness because it's not your responsibility. It's not. And I, I remember I have, I have a friend of mine and she was dated. She was married to a man that was very much abusive. And I remember when she and I, when she, we were um, going through some stuff and I saw some of his stuff and I started asking her questions about him. And I was like, does he have a learning disability? And she was like, no, he doesn't. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause we were unpacking some stuff. She, and he, after they got um, separated and I was like, he doesn't have a learning disability. And she's like, no, you know, she's just going on. And I was like, oh, okay then girl, whatever. And then eventually she was like, why'd you say that? And I said, I'm just looking at some of his paperwork and some of his stuff. And I'm thinking that he may have some, 
you know, a little bit of a learning disability and, you know, I'm just kind of, maybe he's autistic, you know, and I wasn't being negative because, you know, shit, I'm a professional. So I can see that shit in somebody's writing, how they organize their stuff or not organize it. Like I can see that. So I'm speaking from a professional space. And so she was like, well, let me see. And I started showing her some stuff. And then she was getting really upset about it because she was like, and they, I mean, literally he had kicked her ass for years, kicked her ass for years. And she had broken bones and for years. And she said that she's crying. Like she's crying. Like, I wish I would have known I could have helped him. And I was like, how the fuck are you going to help him? What's your experience in helping a motherfucker who can't help himself? Helping a motherfucker, his whole goal is to beat you down. His goal is to get you as close to death as he can possibly get you to fuck your mind up as bad as he can fuck it up. How are you going to help him? And that's the thing with mental abuse. The, we love our fucking abuser. We love the abuser. The abuser can do no wrong. That's how you know you're fucked up. That's how you know that you have to take a step in a direction that's going to free you from the abuse of somebody. Because when you're loving the person that's kicking your ass because you think you're supposed to or you don't know any different or they've got your mind so fucked up that you're supposed to appreciate the fact that they're kicking your ass, that's how you know I love you. No, 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 no. So those are yucky ass places to be in. But since people have us so fucked up mentally that we feel like we've got to, they need somebody to love them. And we got to be the one to do it. No, we don't. Because as long as we stay, the worse the abuse gets. And people will be like, oh, well, when we, you know, we have been together for 25, 26 years. And finally, he stopped hitting me. Oh, what? <laughs> but I can say that because I'm on the outside. But people on the inside cover for him, want to protect him, want to keep him safe. It is a jacked up sense of existing when you know that you have to, when you feel like you have to love your, love your abuser because that's how they're showing their love to you. Now, I'm going to twist the shit a little bit for you guys. When you get into those situations and somebody's kicking your ass and somebody's gaslighting you, somebody's manipulating you and making you think you're crazy and making you question your uncomfortable feeling to turn around and appease them. I can guarantee you that shit started in the house with your parents. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about where we were conditioned to deal with that dumb shit. And that's in the house with our parents. Our parents beat our ass and then we need to be grateful they are parents. You're going to disrespect me and I take care of you and they're going to give you that spill after they kick your ass. And I got food for you and a roof over your head. We conditioned to receive that bullshit in the house of our parents. Stay close to us. It has conditioned us that we're supposed to take the ass up and verbal abuse, the mental abuse, and still love that person. That's fucked up. And I know it's hard. It's hard to go and look at your parents and think, you guys have fucked me up. But a lot of times, it is the parents who fucked you up. It could be your parents. It could be babysitter. It could be your cousin, your sister, your brother. It could be anybody that's close to you who can manipulate you into doing the things that they want you to do. And then you become an adult and you get into a relationship. And the person you're in a relationship with is 
mirroring the behaviors of the motherfuckers who raised you, who loved you and kicked your ass and manipulated you. You figure this must be love because this is what I know. That shit ain't healthy. It's not healthy. And there is a help out there. You can walk away from it. You can walk away from it. I, I knew I didn't want to mistreat my children. There are things that I didn't want to do to my children. I never wanted to take money from my children because that was something that my mom did to me. When I got money, my mom would say, let me borrow it. I'll give it back to you. Never got it back. And if I mentioned it, what you mean? As much as I do for you and I buy this and I buy, that's conditioning. That's conditioning for somebody close to me who does stuff for me can take stuff from me. I was conditioned in that. And I knew I would never do that to my children. You can talk to my children right now and ask them, has your mom ever taken money from you? They'll be like, no, no. I knew I wouldn't do that because I remember how hurt I was when it happened to me, when I didn't have my money. But how was I not going to trust my mom? It's my mom, right? How was I not going to trust her? And she did take care of me. Everything she said was true. But the fact that she told me, let me get your money and I'll give it back. And she never did. And then I was wrong for asking about it because of all. That's manipulation. It's selfish. It's manipulation. It's harmful. And that's the truth. I own that. That shit happened to me. And I knew I wouldn't do that to my children. Hands down, that would not happen and I wouldn't do it to my children. So as an adult woman, when I found myself in a relationship with a man who would do things to me to manipulate me, and I wanted to, you think, let me tell you something. I promise you, I wanted to blame my ex-husband for the way that he treated me. I wanted to blame him. He wasn't shit. He did, he did. When I started looking for my way out, for my own healing, even before I left my marriage, when I started looking at not why is he like this? Because as long as I figure, why is he like this? I try to repair his family, his mom, his dad, his grandma, his granddad. His I start trying to fix him. I have no experience to fix them. The fuck? No experience at all to fix them. I was young. I felt like I could fix them because I felt like I knew the way to fix them. But you couldn't. I couldn't. I have no experience in that. But when I decided, I'm not going to look at him anymore. I'm going to look at me. What the fuck is it about me that allowed him to do these things to me? What did what was it about me that allowed that shit to happen? I had to own my role in it. And that's exactly what I did. And when I started tracing back people, adults in my life who fucked me over as a child, who when I started tracing that, fuck that shit. I was free because I was like, oh, I remember you did this to me. I remember this happening. I remember this happening. I remember this happening. I remember this happening. And that's the thing right now. I promise you probably scares adult people in my life. The fact that I do the podcast and I'm writing, they're probably thinking, I hope the fuck she doesn't write about me. I hope she doesn't write about me. I hope she doesn't tell the time that this, and I know it probably shaking in their boots, but I had to figure out why was I as brilliant as I am, as strong as I am? Why was I allowing myself to get lured into a false sense of love and security because somebody was mistreating me? Well, guess what? Love was associated with mistreatment for years of my life. Years of my life, love and mistreatment went together 
and I thought they were the same thing. And I thought, well, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't do this. Or if he didn't this, he this wouldn't happen. And da da da. And maybe you should do this, and then maybe it won't happen. Maybe it won't hurt so bad the next time. But what you realize is the mental abuse hurts way more than the fucking physical abuse. Cause I'll tell you, you can knock my ass, slap the fuck out and knock me unconscious for about 15 minutes and I can get up and shake that shit off. But the mental abuse, the verbal abuse, I process that shit over and over. My brain does not allow that to go. But now I realize don't nobody get to talk to me any kind of way. Fuck that. Fuck you. I'm out. Don't talk to me that way. I don't have a problem saying that, right? We have to realize, men and women, you do not have to stay in a relationship where you're not being taken care of. And if you don't know what being taken care of looks like, you ask yourself, am I fucking happy? Am I free? Can I move without fear? I mean, and that seems simple. Can I move without fear? Because you're supposed to be able to move across the world. Can I do it without fear? Is somebody trying to hold me hostage? That's what you ask yourself. Can I move without fear? And if you answer, you cannot move without fear, then your relationship is not healthy. There is a problem in that and you need to figure out how to move and be free. That doesn't mean you leave your relationship. Maybe the person you're in a relationship with is okay with you moving freely they don't they just don't know that you want to move freely because you have never expressed the desire to move freely that says you have to live in who you are find out who you are gain some understanding about who you are and be ready to fucking move that's it and that's terrifying trust me terrifying it is but once you realize that you've got you once you realize that you're okay, you're okay. You came here in this earth by yourself. You were born by yourself, unless you're a twin. That's a different thing. You were by yourself. And guess who you're going to die with? Yourself. And when God calls you to be of purpose, guess who he calling? You. And when opportunities on your path open, who's going to be available for him? You. This ain't got nothing to do with anybody else. No fucking body. Your path is your path. Your steps to freedom, your steps to freedom. Now, is it pleasurable to enjoy the steps along your path with somebody else? Absolutely. We want human contact. We want conversation. We want goodness. We don't want to get our ass kicked. We don't want our brain twisted. We don't want to be manipulated. We don't want to be fussed at. Those are things we don't want. Why are we receiving something we don't want? Because we're conditioned for it. We are made to believe that this is the way it's supposed to be. Fuck it, it's not. It's not. You walk along your path. Now, on your path where you have hiccups and sidesteps and climb some mountains and go in some gutters and meet some crazy people, absolutely you will. But every time you have an experience, guess what? You bring out a new tool to move a little bit further. You move a little bit further in your path, a little bit further along your path, the more tools you collect and you find yourself in situations where you have the tools where somebody's like, oh, you know, I was just thinking such and such and such. And then you're like, oh, I can do that. And you have the experience. 
your experience. We have to be able to figure out how to travel this thing by ourselves and enjoy people as they come in and as they go. That's what we have to do. Take the goodness out of every situation. But nobody, nobody was chosen to be better than you. God didn't choose your husband or your wife to be better than you, to mistreat you. You think, Lord, you think God said, I chose you to be here. I want you here with me on your path to be of my purpose. But because I think this person is better than you, I'm going to put them in your life to kick your ass. You think God said that? No. This person is going to mistreat you, and I give them permission to do that. No, that's not what God said. There's abundance and there's happiness promised. It is promised to you. But you can't get caught up by man holding you hostage on some bullshit. They can't. I mean, you just can't. And I can say this now, but I've been caught up for years on bullshit trying to be. I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to be a good mother. I'm going to be a good daughter. And you know when you say I'm going to be a good wife, you know what that means? I'm going to be good to my husband even if he treats me like shit. I'm going to be good because you say putting a label on yourself is good, meaning in your mind, you're going to rationalize all the bullshit that happens because you're trying to be good. So I can try to be good. I can be a good wife. All the bullshit that happens, that means I have to get my, I've got to convince my own mind that that shit is okay. And because I'm a good wife, I can take it. That's the fuck's up. That is fucked up. You can't do that. So I spent time being a good wife, being a good daughter, being a good um, mother. And I still try to be a good mother. But I try to be a good mother in the fact that I need my children to grow up and be fucking adults and walk their path without manipulating and misusing or mistreating somebody. I literally spend time with them on those things because I'm like, First of all, you can't be a leech to me because I'm not going to carry you. I can't. I'm going to give you what you got, what I can give you, and I'm going to watch you walk along your path, and I will advise you as I can advise you. That's it. You don't get to come back to me and suck the life out of me forever because I missed something or because I'm conditioning you to deal with my bullshit. It's not happening. The man who loves me, I'm not going to put up with some bullshit because I'm trying to be good to him. How about this? I'm going to be good to me. I'm going to be good to me because I need to be able to move along my path. So I'm going to be good to Joycelyn and I'm going to move along my path and I'm going to be of God's purpose. Now, if any person that I meet would like to walk with me for a little while on my path, our journeys kind of coincide and we enjoy each other and we keep it moving and we coincide again and we keep it moving. We get together and we do something great. We can do that and laugh and just think all the goodness that we had along the way. That's amazing. But I'm not going to keep coinciding with somebody that's dragging me into the fucking dirt and holding me hostage because they don't know how to do anything different. It's not fair to me. And fuck you. If that's what you want to do, do that shit with a motherfucker that don't know. But you're not going to do it with me because I know. I'm not begging for love anymore. I'm not waiting for love anymore. 
I'm not trying to convince somebody that I'm a great cook so they can love me and stay. I'm not trying no wicked new sex shit because it's going to turn it out. I ain't doing none of that shit no more. This is who the fuck I am. And I'm going to be happy. And if you don't like it, then you don't like it. That's on you. That's not for me to explain. That's on you. Now, my mom told me, true story. My mom told me when I wrote my book, hurt my feelings. Oh my God. I, I might've been on the verge of tears for a little while. I can't support you in this because my book has a lot of sex in it. It's very erotic. It's sweet, yummy sex. It's me telling a story. Sweet. I love it. Right. I'm so proud of it. And I got it, gave it to her. She had a hard time with it. I just, we, I think you should have wrote something else. And I, but I, I realized her fear is she can't, her fear is her thoughts about sex. And she told me that she sees me as a little girl. And I was like, well, if you see me as a little girl, then that's on you. Cause I ain't a little girl. If you holding me hostage as a little girl, sounds like a personal problem, not my problem. Because you see me as a little girl doesn't mean that I'm going to relegate myself to six-year-old position to make you comfortable with what you see in me. I'm not doing it. So we went, we had a rocky little time in there because that was probably the first time. Now think, I had to figure out over the years that I've been conditioned to manipulation and bullshit in my house growing up. So now I'm grown and the person that was primarily my caregiver, it was in the role of the manipulator is now trying to manipulate and I'm grown. I was like, well, that's on you. I'm, I can't do nothing. And my feelings were hurt because I didn't know that there was a choice in supporting your children because I have three. I don't know there's a choice in that. I feel like you have children, you support them. When you have them, you're thankful for them. And then because they go a certain way, now you can't support them. So I don't know you can't support. So my mom and I had this tough little moment and um, she told me, you know, we were talking and uh, she said, I'm, I'm so happy I've got such good girls. Now think of that, good girls. What does good girls mean? I just told you, good girls mean that somebody's trying to understand the fucking abuse to stay in a good position, in a good eye of the abuser. That's the good girls. I've got such good girls, they're always gonna take care of me. That's what my mom said. I've got good girls, so when I go into, when I get older, I know they're always gonna take care of me. She said this to me, and you know what I said to her? Not so fast, not so fast. Cause I don't know that I'm the person that will take care of you. And that is the truth. Now. Because it's my mom, I'm sure I will do something. But since she showed me that it's okay to not support in a place that you're not comfortable or that you don't want to because it's not a benefit to you, shit, that might not be a benefit to me to take care of her. I don't know. I'm like, hey, don't count me in yet. Don't count me in that. And that is the truth because my path is mine. Now, had I not been strong enough in my own mind, had I not traveled back in time 
to look at situations and bullshit that happened to me growing up, I probably wouldn't have been able to face that same scenario the same. I wouldn't have been able to do it because I would have been like, okay, well, if you think it has too much sex in it, then I guess I just won't, I won't publish it or I won't, you know, I would have halted my um, action. I wouldn't have published the book because I would have been trying to be the good girl to a her. Let me tell you how that works. If I spent that whole time writing my book and thanking God for the free flow of words and the opportunity to pull so much goodness out of times in my life and to put this whole magnificent manuscript together. If I've thanked God for this opportunity, am I now going to turn my back on what I thank God for to appease a human? A human? No, I'm not. And I couldn't. And I didn't because my that was personal to me. I shared a lot and I've met some amazing fucking people from writing that book. I have met some of the best people. I have met some powerful women who have questions about how they're loving and who they're loving and what to do. I have met some men who try to figure it out. I have been able to touch so many lives and had so many people touch my life because of that opportunity. And I've had so many opportunities unfold in front of me. I'm not turning down any more opportunities along my path for a human, a human who has not been given the ability to see my path. God hasn't given that to anybody else. And he's not going to talk about it with anybody else. He only talks to you about your movements with you. And he gives you the insight to help your children get to the next place because you are the vessel he chose to get them here and you have the tools needed to get them to where they're supposed to be. But when they become of age and they're ambling along their path by themselves, you can't see where they need to go. You can't force them to go in a direction to appease you. That's manipulation. That's mental abuse. That's gaslighting. You have to let people walk their path. You have to let people get to a point of freedom and understanding who they are and that they're here for God's purpose. It's been an hour, 59 minutes and 22 seconds. This is Joycelyn Wells on Joy Exposed. Thank you so much for sharing this evening with me. As I said before, you could be doing anything, but you spent this hour doing me. And remember, when joy is exposed, everything just feels better. Don't forget, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, download, download, download. I'm trying to get my subscribers up and I have some amazing things coming and I can't wait to share with all of you. Good night.